What's up everybody, Kevin Wagstaff here, a New Year's edition of Spectora Spotlight. We're starting off the year right with Carrie Cheek from Rosie Home Inspection. It's a funny story how I came across her and her business. Uh, she actually just started with Spectora and our web designer, Sarah, actually said, hey Kevin, check out this website. She seems like a really cool character, um, someone that could be fun to have on the podcast. So went to the website saw kind of the vibe and inspiration she was going for on the site. Just the pictures and the way it was done just made me really think, hey, this person seems pretty neat, so let's get her on. Um, and it turned out in a delivery. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. She has very good perspectives on how to elevate the industry, what customer service really means, and, uh, and how to handle working with agents and clients. And anyone that's grown their business phenomenally in the last couple years, I think, as someone that we can all learn from and listen to. So definitely feel free to reach out to her. She seems very open and willing to network and push the industry forward. Um, and especially if you're a female listening to this, I think it can be beneficial. So um, I hope you enjoy New Year's episode and I wanna wish everybody a very, very happy New Year. Um, we have a lot in store for this year. And we're super excited here at Spectora to help, help you guys keep growing your business and providing tools and, uh, and features and services to help you all out. Um, and I hope everyone has ambitious goals for this year and we look forward to it. So thanks as always for listening and enjoy the episode. Okay, sounds good. Well, how are you? How was your holiday? Uh, it was great. It was quiet. Um, my brother and I and our parents are all local here in Denver. And so they were actually sick. So Mike, oh, my, Mike's whole family was sick. So um, I know a certain amount of people. And there's always someone that gets sick during the holidays. So it's just part I of I know. Time. Everybody in an enclosed space. I have uh, seven, well, six nieces and one nephew under the age of nine like anytime we have a big holiday thing, everybody gets sick about a day or two later. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't come about, but we'll see. Well, how was it with all those kids running around? Something got spilled, I'm sure, right? Oh, always, but it's it's magical. I I have four brothers, and we're all adults, and you know, just you get boring, and <laughs> you gotta start having those kids in the mix again to kind of get that uh, magic back so now it's it is awesome when we all get together you know more and more i start to realize that is that like they they breathe fresh life into all of our adult boring lives that, that get redundant and they say things that we would never say so it, exactly yeah, it, yeah it, it keeps it fun for sure very cool well thanks for joining us today i, I really appreciate you doing this even on somewhat short notice and especially oh, yeah. here at the end of the year i know between christmas and new year's is a, a hard time to get people so thank you well, thanks for having me. I really, I appreciate it. I'm excited. Yeah, I love it. So yeah, let's give everyone an intro. Let you let you tell everyone who you are, where you're from, and uh, in your company. Well, my name is Carrie Cheek. Um, I am the owner and operator of Rosie Home Inspections based in Nicholasville, Kentucky, which is right dead center in central Kentucky, just a little south of Lexington, which I think most people have heard of. Yep. Um, and yeah, I've been in business or started with my home inspection company in 2014. So I'm just uh, about to round that six year mark. Wow. And actually just a couple of months ago, my husband of about three years, he was able to leave his job he was doing. He was a um, operations and logistics manager for an industrial company. 
and he's actually come on board with me in Rosie Home Inspections, and we are in the process now of expansions and trying to scale a little bit and hire on a couple more inspectors. So we kind of have some new challenges outside of just doing um, home inspections themselves, but it's a really exciting time for us. Oh, congrats on that. That's so, that's, that's amazing. First of all, yeah. congrats on that. I think Thank you. having been in this industry um, and seeing the turnover, like when you get to that two, three, four, five, six year mark, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, yeah. Escape velocity, I guess, to use a tech term. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think like a lot of home inspectors too, getting started, you kind of you got to start slow and kind of get get rolling and it's not really an income you can depend on so i think i have the same story of a lot of other home inspectors of starting my company while i still had just a, a regular nine to five type job and did that for about the first three and a half years or so before i felt confident enough and like i had grown things enough where i could really make a living doing it so um that has been well, right at two and a half years, I guess, that I have been completely full-time and just self-supported doing this. Wow. Yeah. I, I find that's the magic formula is that year or two. Um, what, and it was a job, obviously, that gave you flexibility, right? So you're able to schedule around it. Like, what, <laughs> what, what was that like scheduling? And It's tough. It was really tough. I, I was a health and safety manager for an industrial company um, based in Lexington, Kentucky, but there was some travel in there too. So I was able to kind of adjust where I had, instead of eight to five, I worked seven to four and then would basically just take phone calls whenever they came in, book jobs for evenings starting when I could get off work like 4.30 or five. And then a lot of times would work um, all through the weekend doing uh, two a days, Saturdays and Sundays. So uh, it's, I mean, getting anything off the ground can be, <laughs> I think it just takes organization and um, well, and just a willingness to keep at it, you know, week after week after week and realize it's, it's not always going to be like that. Yeah. And it's not for everybody, the grind of, um, you know, living two lives essentially, and then still having family and, and all these other commitments. Do you remember, I always like asking this, do you remember kind of that first inspection of those first five or 10 um, just like squeezing it in and just be like, oh, like, like, tell me about that. Yeah, well, I always, I would feel tired for sure. But honestly, this has been, this job has been such a good fit for me that I, I think that my biggest emotion, even in those early days was always excitement. Um, it's never getting, getting a job when you first get started, getting an inspection, it's never a given. And I think that you always kind of think that maybe the last appointment you set or the last phone call you got that was business related, it could be the last, you never know. <laughs> Just never can depend on if your phone is gonna ring again and you'll get another inspection. So I just always felt a great amount of excitement to get another call, book another inspection. And even if sometimes you, know, you feel a little tired because you're juggling a lot of things, it, that excitement gave me energy. So it really was never a drag. That's so refreshing to hear. And I want to like just ramble on that for a second, because just the way you describe that feels, it just sounds different than other ways I've heard it explained or discussed by inspectors. And so like, 
I, I always feel like that energy and excitement spurs action and it's also contagious because agents and clients probably feel it. Um, I don't know if anyone's ever told you that, but it's like when you feel that excitement, it doesn't feel like a job, right? You're just doing exactly. it. Exactly. Driven to do it. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. I love that. I agree. <laughs> and I think, and that's how you know you're in the right place too. Right. Right. How did you, how, how did you meet the agents or even get those first couple of jobs? I always find that um, important to know when you're doing. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, um, mm -hmm. after I finished, Kentucky does have state licensing requirements, but I think like most states that have them, and I know a lot even don't, they're, they're pretty minimal as far as what you actually have to know and do to provide a quality inspection for clients. Uh, you don't really, you don't just have that given knowledge coming out of training. So to me, once I had, you know, gone through my pre-licensing course and I had read my textbook on, you know, just the basics of home inspection mechanics, which is a very long book, <laughs> kind of gotten through that multiple times and passed the national exam, all that good stuff. I just, I still felt pretty inadequate as far as this isn't something that I can go around and try to advertise and feel like I can charge anybody for. I just, right. I need some experience on the ground. Um, so I, there was a fantastic uh, inspector who'd been in the business for, I think, eight years at that point named Steve. And he lives just a couple counties over from me. And I met him when I was doing my pre-licensing class, he was doing um, his follow-up continuing education. And he really, he kind of took pity on me. We kind of clicked personality-wise. <laughs> and he let me shadow him on a couple of jobs just that he had going on, which looking back is an even bigger deal than I thought at the time, because you're basically, you're knowing that I am potentially a competitor of yours and you're still you are willing to, you know, give me some of your expertise and knowledge and experience and you're really not getting anything out of it. Um, so he kind of, he kind of showed me in the beginning, what, what do you do? You know, you go up to the door, you feel like, all right, like I, I know what to look for once I have the panel off of the electrical, <laughs> off the electrical panel. But how do I even get to that stage? You know, when you get to the door, what do you what do you say? What do you do first? How do you stay organized? So Steve really helped me a lot, um, kind of just showing me that process of how it looks, boots on the ground. And from there, I kind of advertised to just friends and family, just put out feelers to my immediate family and on Facebook, just to old friends of, you know, hey, I'm I'm getting started in this new business. Uh, anybody that would like to have uh, their their home inspected, if you're getting it ready for sale or maintenance, I'd love to come out and do it for free if you just give me your patience, you know? Yeah. So I did that probably the first 15 or 16 inspections probably were just doing free inspections for friends and family who basically just gave me the the time and patience to be in their house and go through everything with a fine tooth comb. Uh, and at that point, I felt a little more confident that, you know, hey, I have something to offer clients. I, I feel that I am at least at the beginning stages of offering a really quality product. And at that point, I did the hustle that we all do, I think, and went around. Uh, my mom went with me. She's always been an inspiration and 
uh, you know, somebody that's always pushed me to, to get out of my comfort zone. So she actually with, went with me those first couple of times where I would take the day off work and we'd get in the car with a bunch of uh, cards and care package type stuff and just uh, go in, walk into a real estate office or a brokerage and, you know, just introduce myself and drop stuff off and uh, just kind of start getting the word out that way. But I think a lot of it too is just that social media presence to your friends and family, just letting people know, you know, hey, I'm in the business. Anybody that's looking for a home inspection, please keep me in mind. And that's kind of the beginning of that snowball. Wow. Shout out to Steve in Kentucky. Shout out to Mama Chief for the help and for going around. That sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> what were in the care packages? I'm always curious what people put in those. Um, yeah, we did. I'm trying to think those early ones. I had cards that I had. I did all of my first designs and marketing stuff through Vista Print, which is a fantastic way to do it, I've found. Um, so I had business cards. I had some basic brochures on you know, what a home inspection is and how Rosie Home Inspections does it. And I think I had some other like little pens and little things that I'd also gotten through Vistaprint that just had, you know, the company name and, and phone number on them. Uh, and my mom also, she has her own soap studio and she makes soap kind of as a, a hobby, but it's, mm -hmm. it's really great soap and she sells it all around the little town where I grew up. And so she had made like a special version, a rosy home inspection version of that soap. And we put um, like marketing labels on them. And that was in those initial bags too, I remember. Wow. That's huge. That's what I was looking for. Because I had a feeling, I had a sneaking suspicion that you get differentiation just looking at your website and kind of seeing the whole <laughs> vibe. And that's it, right? Like that's yep. something that was unique to you and something that is unique to agents. And I love hearing that. Because I think uh, so many inspectors struggle to find just a thing, you know, whatever their thing is or whatever is unique to them. So that's really right. cool. <laughs> and who doesn't need soap? Everyone needs soap. And I mean, Kevin, it's not just soap. It is like great soap. Like quality, like art. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to it is the real deal. It's, she even takes the time to wrap each bar in like a really pretty fabric. Like even the presentation is just really unique and cool and it is great. So show me where I can order some. I'll order some. Help out, <laughs> help out mama. Pra Prairiecarry.com. There's the plug for Mama Evely. Uh <laughs> All right. For all of you that need soap out there. Yep. People, people think that I'm Prairie Carry. It's actually she just likes that name Carrie so much. <laughs> Potter and soap, the same name. <laughs> we are now sponsored by a soap company. This is great. Our first podcast sponsor. Um, all right. So let's talk about Rosie the Riveter. So I did, I did a little bit of quick research to remind, I knew most of the story in the background, but um, let's talk about the inspiration behind the name of your company because it is very significant in the history of our country. It is. Yeah, I've always been very inspired. Um, I think as as a female and even as a little girl who I think I mentioned earlier, I grew up with four brothers. And um, even my mom is a bit of a tomboy, I think you'd say. And in her family, she grew up too, that her dad pushed her and her sisters to, you know, you do whatever inspires you in life, in your job, in hobbies, whatever it is like gender doesn't mean anything. And mm -hmm. that 
even bigger deal back in those days because there was even less that it was kind of automatically acceptable, you know, that that women could just go out and do and there wasn't a question to it. Um, so that's how I was brought up. And I, I've always had that in me, I think, where my my natural tendencies are things that maybe aren't quite so traditional to girls or that aren't so um, like there, there are certain things that we cultivate, I think, in females and in males, and we separate those things. In my house, it was just whatever my brothers or I were interested in, that was the thing that we should be doing. So I never really felt that separation too much when I was a kid, that there were things I should do and things I shouldn't do. Um, and growing up, uh, you know, you just, you learn more and more about the world. And I think it is such a great time to be a female out in the world and uh, being able to make career choices that you don't have a lot of um, like actual restraints put on you. But I think that there are these kind of unspoken boundaries in a lot of industries. And to me, Rosie the Riveter has been that symbol my whole time growing up of you know, women getting things done. In World War II, she was such a huge symbol of, you know, you can, you can send the boys overseas to, with the guns to fight the battles, but somebody has to be home to keep things running, you know? <laughs> yeah. You're on the ground. It's, it's not that we need one and not the other. It's that everything we do is a team effort. And to me, it was just, it was so inspiring that, you know, women women would go and you could be that riveter. You work in the machine shop, you do whatever it is that um, that you can give, whatever you have to give to your society to help it out, like do that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Matter if it's in the home or in the factory. And it was just such a cool thing um, that when I went and initially got my home inspector training all done and um, home inspection is such a strange strange job, I think, in that as you're learning what the job is and how to do it, you're really, most of us have to figure out how to set up a company simultaneously. And uh, it's, <laughs> you have to learn so many things at once. You're, you know, you're learning how to inspect the HVAC, but you're also learning how to make your own website. And it's such a differing set of skills. Um, when I, when I went to select a name, and I was racking my brain and I remembered that my course instructor had mentioned to me when I got my license that at that time I was the one of four female home inspectors in the state of Kentucky. And so when I was, wow. I was thinking of a name, it just, it popped into my head right then of that Rosie the Riveter of, you know, you can do it. We can do it. It's all a team effort. It's, it's scary to kind of, to cross those unspoken boundaries for some things. But to me, I had, I think, I think when there are women who take those leaps, there are always other women behind you. And for me, a big inspiration for being able to take a leap into kind of a man's world was thinking about, I had my uh, nieces at the time, I think there were four of them. Now I have six little nieces and a stepdaughter who's 18 and I just I couldn't help but think you know I have to do my part like we all we all kind of further 
what women are allowed to do or get rid of those unspoken boundaries in our own generation. And if women in our generation don't take a step forward, where does that leave that next young generation to? So I've always felt so inspired by other women and kind of taking those next steps that to me, there was, once that popped into my head, Rosie the Riveter, it was no question that that was going to be the theme of my company. And my middle name actually is Rose. So oh. it works there too. <laughs> wow. That, it, that's like the stars aligning. That couldn't be more appropriate given your story and your background and kind of the significance of, you know, of that poster in 1943. And, um, you know, and a lot of our listeners are, um, you know, served and, um, you know, and they can have an appreciation for that, I bet. And I think that's, um, you know, my dad is 30 years in the Air Force. So like anyone that has any ties to that, probably especially have a place in their heart for the significance of the name of the business. So kudos for that. Thank you. I just love that. Mike and myself both have daughters. Um, and we always, yeah, we're similar where we preach like, Hey, whatever you're interested in, it doesn't matter if no other girls are doing it, like do it. Right. Um, and we'll support it. So, um, very cool. So that you kind of touched on this a little, um, and like the, what was the catalyst to actually say, all right, well, let me check into this home inspection thing. So what was that? Kind well, of moment like yeah well I gotta go back a little bit in my history I guess um I well I got a bachelor's degree from the University of Kentucky which is local to me and when I finished college I felt a little lost for a couple of years and I ended up in an AmeriCorps C program which I don't know I know everybody's not familiar with that but in a nutshell it's kind of like a domestic peace corps and mm-hmm. It's only, it's a 10 month commitment and there's all different focuses you can have in the program I was in specifically when I was, I went in when I was 24 and 25, I was doing that program. And it was a lot of, it was a lot of new construction building and rehab construction working with uh, nonprofits in the Southern region of the United States. So I did quite a bit of work and lived for a while in New Orleans um, in Mobile, Alabama, in different places that had been subject to being hit by natural disaster. Um, like I was in New Orleans five years after Hurricane Katrina, and as we all know, there's still, even now, there's still work to do, but mm-hmm. it was just part of a 10-person team that did was on work crews, helping to do restorations and then new builds. And I'd always it always had an interest, I guess, in buildings and even in carpentry and things like that from my dad always would tinker with stuff. And we were always building stuff at our house when I was little, but also even back to my uh, grandfather had a wood shop in his garage. And when we were probably too little for it to be safe to be doing it, we were building things. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think all those things mixed together and being in that program, I really felt like and I've never been so excited to get up for work before and get out and, and make something and do something real with my hands. And I really kind of fell in love with building science and just the way like every, a, a house is basically a puzzle and I'm a puzzle person and every part of the puzzle has, you know, a specific shape for a specific reason, even just the way water breaks off of the 
the mortar joints and brick. Like it just, once I started learning, I couldn't stop. Um, so I think being in that program, I just kind of inspired me in my love of buildings. I graduated from that program. I got home. I ended up in kind of a, a random job, just, you know, plans, plans change. And I didn't have a solid plan anyway, but I worked as a health and safety manager for an industrial company for about six years. That's what I was doing when I started home inspections. And about a year and a half into that, I purchased my first house and I, you know, I wasn't married. I did it as a single woman and I bought that little house and it was just, it was a $65,000 foreclosure, thousand square foot, three bedroom, one bath. And it was a total nightmare. But that's, <laughs> what I, that's what I wanted. I wanted to, to bring it all back myself. So I think when I went through that process of buying and I had my first home inspection and I kind of, I was that annoying client that came for the very beginning and just followed the guy around oh, yeah. inspection, uh, which now as an inspector, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I bet all inspectors were that customer. All inspectors were that. <laughs> Probably so, because it's where your interests lie. Yeah. And, um, I just thought, well, first of all, at the end of it all, I thought, there's still a lot of questions that I have about this house. Like, I feel like the inspector didn't answer all the questions I wanted answered. But the other thing I thought is, that looks like a really fun job. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, from there, I kind of I was unhappy at the job I was in. And I just sort of, you know, we all take those initial steps for new things. You're half embarrassed to to Google the first question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a background in this. I couldn't do this. But as I started uh, exploring on the World Wide Web and kind of getting some answers that way, I started looking into pre-qualification training and learned in that process, this was kind of miraculous too, that, that AmeriCorps program I had done, when you graduate from those, you don't, you make hardly, you know, just peanuts when you're doing it. But when you graduate from it, they give you an education grant, which I think it ended up being like $5,200 or something like that. It was significant. Mm -hmm. I had gone to college and I didn't have student loans, thank goodness. And I learned that doing that home inspector training would be covered by that education award, which it was use it or lose it. So stars just kind of aligned. Wow. At that point, it was still... It, it's almost embarrassing to put your toe in because it's, you know, it's one of those things you don't even want to admit to doing because if you fail, then you have to talk about it. <laughs> I really, I just thought, well, you know, it doesn't, it's not really going to cost me anything out of pocket. I took, it was an eight day course all in a row through the weekend and everything. And I took eight days or the vacation time in there minus weekends um, and went to Louisville where that was the closest training and got it done. So <laughs> that was kind of my, how I sort of got into the job in the first place. Um, even though it was a little, you know, you're hesitant and you, we all worry about failure for first steps, but you just, you got to try it. <laughs> yeah. And it's so refreshing to just hear the energy that I can tell you had going into it and the approach, because I think you mentioned something very important of really putting it out there and telling your friends and family. And, and that's the social accountability piece, right? Because once you put right. it out there, you're letting people know that you're trying, that you're really 
committing to this. And if you fail, everyone will know. And I think that holds back some inspectors from really putting it out there. And I think that's, that's what it takes. I feel like I've seen, you know, new inspection companies really take off because they're fully two feet in. Right. I think you're exactly right about that. Yeah. It's not, that's probably the hardest step to take is admitting it to other people. But if you don't do it, you're not even giving yourself a chance to succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let, what challenges did you face early on um, being a woman in a male dominated industry? I think we, we have to touch on that given I only, you know, I look at our network sometimes and it's just, there's only a handful of women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I have, I mentioned when I was a kid and having brothers, I've always been comfortable just around boys and men. And for me, it's never, I've never felt like, I don't know that there's a huge difference. Like I've always felt like I can be myself. And even when I worked for that industrial company, that was very male dominated too. And I, I think I see a lot of women that have frustration because when you get into those industries, like, yeah, we can do it. We can handle gender is irrelevant to me. You know, you're (laughs) you're strong or you're weak or, or whatever. Like if you can take on, we can do the physical things that we're capable of the same stuff, I believe. Um, But I think that where a lot of women struggle is trying to find their place and pushing themselves to be something they're not, which is men. Um, And kind of, I don't know, trying to take on the characteristics of becoming one of the boys when that's not actually who they are. And I've always found in any of those situations I've been in where I've worked with all men that in being myself and just showing um, I, the confidence that I have in a situation, it's, it doesn't have any kind of gender boundary. Like I just, I am me and you are you. I'm, I'm not going to become one of the boys, which I'm not, but I'm also not a super sensitive person that gets upset if, you know, somebody opens the door for me or right. <laughs> think that women like we feel like we have to go one way or the other become totally one of the guys and get offended when they assume female things about us or the other way of being totally a girl and acting offended by any kind of boy talk and so I think that you can kind of be in those situations and still be yourself you don't have to totally uh, participate in all of that talk, but you also don't have to make a huge deal about it either. And for me, that kind of, it's just the natural strategy, I guess, of being myself. It's the only way I know how to be. And it's always been effective as far as I feel like I can fit into most situations. And I feel like I, if, if I can be easy, even in a group of men, then they can accept me for you know, who I am and not having to be exactly like them. We kind of all bring each other up. So I mean, for me, that's always been my experience. And it wasn't real different with uh, being a home inspector. You know, from the beginning, it's not, 
like later on you deal with your clients and you deal with your network of real estate agents and showing them who you are in the beginning it's proving yourself to other home inspectors as you go through that training and um trying to be taken seriously i guess but i mean i i think i don't think that there's huge gender lines there either i think that we all we all have our own backgrounds. We all have our own look to us. We all have our own struggles for different reasons. And none of us are totally chameleons where we can fit into every situation. And so one thing I found as a female home inspector um, is it's there are downsides depending on what situations you're in, but then there are just as many benefits and upsides, I think, because, you know, some situations maybe they don't they don't want to see a female they they don't want to listen to a female but i think just as often it's the opposite where they feel more comfortable with a female um more and more we have kind of a changing society where you know i mentioned that when i bought my first house i was a, a single female and i find that more and more women are just like me we we wait longer to get married if at all we we start careers um not just families and so i think that there is a need for female inspectors just like there's a need for you know female loan agents and female real estate agents because all of us are kind of usually most comfortable with somebody that has a similar background to ours or who looks like we do and so i've found that more often than not it's a it's a benefit being a female i just maybe have a different clientele so well said all of that and i think the the thing that jumps out to me is being comfortable in your own skin and having that confidence which you clearly have and i think yeah no matter what you look like where you're from i think anyone that really exudes that in any situation whether you're in class with a client agent people respond to that and then the barriers come down of like oh you're different that goes away when you have the competence and the confidence um and i just love hearing that because yeah it's there is a little bit of that old school, good old boys mentality in industry that I think is fading away. Um, and just in, in favor of that, it's kind of the, the newer, fresher approach of like, well, what do you bring to the table? What do you know? You know, your knowledge and your confidence is what matters. And I love hearing that. Right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dig into some of those benefits because I, we've, we've put out, we've put out some content on it here at Spectora, even on the soft skills, because it's such a big part to our industry. And and I can say this because I've spoken to, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of home inspectors. Um, you know, they probably wouldn't rank first in terms of soft skills when it comes to um, emotional intelligence because they're used to being contractors, right? They swing hammers. They're used to being a plumber and electrician. So I, this industry is so relationship focused. So I, I want to talk a little bit about what you view as the upsides or the benefits, um, you know, being in this industry, knowing that a lot of these male contractors, they just haven't been used to working with people. Yeah, well, and I, I think too that that has, that kind of goes back to what I had, my views, I guess, on sort of how we sort men and women, or earlier than that, boys and girls, we sort them into categories and tell them what is acceptable for them. And I think that because men a lot of times they have expectations put on them um, for 
yeah, the, the jobs they should go into and the skills that are important for them to have, that can be a, a downside of, of not having ingrained in them as many soft skills. I think that is part of that societal training we get. Um, I think for me, kind of being a female, but also I've, I have worked, oh my gosh, Kevin, I've been an entrepreneur, I guess you would say, since I was old enough to make lemonade for the first lemonade stand. <laughs> I had a lawn mowing business by the time I was nine years old, mowing nine or 10 yards every summer. I'd wheel the mower out. Um, we had a, a big music festival in the little town that I'm from once a year. And I remember just crafting all year long to sell stuff at that festival. Wow. Um, I've kind of, I've always just had that ingrained in me. And I've so I think I've been training in the customer service industry my entire life. And so I think for me, a lot of it, like, yes, I, I understand what you're saying of like women kind of having those soft skills ingrained in us a little more. And I think it's also having such a customer service background, I guess you would say of, you know, most of most of what any industry is, is communication and compromise and making sure that we all leave the table with something that we wanted. And so I think that where a lot of home inspectors, like if your training is more in um, heavy industry, you're in construction or a trade, if, if that's what you did first, it may be more difficult because you don't have, you haven't had as much experience maybe having to deal um, in that customer service where it means everything that every customer leaves with a positive experience, you know, or your boss comes down on you, whatever it is. I, I think that I've found that just killing people with kindness is the best thing you can do in most situations. I think that there's always going to be some conflicts that come up that you just you have to concede defeat. <laughs> <laughs> I think that most clients, even the most difficult ones, or more often, um, you know, tough real estate agents, that they just they expect a lot. And I think that there are times when we have to just put our egos aside, even if we know that we're 100% right. Uh, that doesn't mean that, you know, if it's somebody that needs to, to hear, you know, that they have the upper hand, that sometimes you let them think they have it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's but I, I don't think that's specific to home inspections. I think it's just, it's a good um, customer service approach to take. And so for me, having that good customer service approach and being able to, you know, have a, a conversation, even if there is conflict in it and being able to meet somebody halfway. Um, I, I think that that is kind of everything for making a great business, no matter what it is. Couldn't agree more. And I think, yeah, the, it's more, like you said, I think it's more of a construct of what people are exposed to and societal expectations mixed with their experiences um, that inform kind of how they handle situations. And so I think, yeah, our industry definitely needs more training on exactly everything you just described of meeting people halfway and showing empathy and, um, and teaching those skills. Because I think no matter what background or gender you are, 
that's the key to business and life and relationships. And so it's, it's something that's just not talked about a ton in our industry, which is, which is uh, fascinating. We're trying to change that a little and just provide a little more guidance on that. But um, I'm so glad you, you mentioned all that because I'm sure that is part of what has helped you grow your business. It's probably not trackable, but can you elaborate more on kind of the approach you just mentioned and how you think that's helped, you know, realtors want to come back to you and clients leave reviews. Um, and you've got 60 something Google reviews. You're doing fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Just a little that. Yeah. I think that I honestly, I, I know it's a cliche, but killing someone with kindness is a real thing. And I think, I think that realtors just, side like once you have a quality product that you can provide great like that's the first step but there are also there are other companies that do that too and there are there are other good home inspectors around you're not you're not the only game and thank goodness there's too much work for only one of us to do but I think that one thing that helps to facilitate a ongoing relationship and connection with a real estate agent which truly I mean, we, we work for our clients, but we have to have that ongoing relationship with the realtor. Anybody that's been in this business for any length of time will tell you that that is key. That is where you get the volume of your recommendations is from local real estate agencies. So like for me, being able, it's not going in and, you know, taking donuts into an office. People are just mad. They already think that they're overweight. <laughs> The big, the thing that real estate agents care about is ease. And the only thing that they don't have is time. So if you can give them back as much time as possible, that's a really big deal. And so often what that translates to is being the inspector who is willing to, to have conversations with the client um, or even have facilitated conversations or be able to answer questions with the seller's agent um, to be able to back up whatever your findings are and not just say, like, I think we've all as inspectors been in situations where we go through our inspection, we submit our report, and we're sure of our findings. And then we're almost offended when we have questions that come back of, like, if it's from our client, they ask inevitably some question that the answer is on page nine, you know, and <laughs> the conversation you have to have is it's on page nine. And inevitably too, you have, you know, a frantic agent that's calling you saying, you know, this, the seller and the seller's agent are upset because you stated, you know, this finding, but they're showing definitively that that is inaccurate. And so, and often I mean, I am by no means infallible, but I really, there are a few times when you get those comments or negative feedback or problems that come back to you. More often than not, it's just some kind of misunderstanding, or I think we all find that our clients don't read our reports. They listen to our initial evaluation, hear the first sentence we say, and then everything that comes after they swear that we never said that. So I think that instead of taking offense to things like that or getting defensive, the most important thing we have to do is communicate and not in a way that 
you know, we puff up our chest and say they are absolutely incorrect. They are idiots. Why would they say that? But I think taking a positive approach and first, again, going back to just good customer service, listening to the problem, whatever it is, you know, from the person who has it and being empathetic, the word you use, Kevin, that's so important in any industry and understanding why that person has developed the belief they have and then taking it step by step and either and giving the explanation for I you know I know it's it's such a long report if you look here on page nine you'll see and it doesn't have to be something where you humiliate them for getting hot in the first place but recognizing that they're in a stressful home buying situation and just because they're hot about it that doesn't that doesn't mean that you are at fault or that you have to look stupid. But I think if you pop up, pop up your chest and you get really defensive, then the outcome is always going to be their defensive back at you. Everyone leaves with a negative experience, even if you can say I was right. Like being able to say you were right is not the most important thing, but talking through that conflict, um, even sometimes you know, there are always situations where you go back to the work site and you, there are defects that you point out. You, all of those things together, I mean, that is how you form a lasting impressions and relationships with real estate agents, B, really impactful, positive reflections for your client who in turn sometimes will take the time to leave you a good review usually always if they have a positive experience telling the people around them other home buyers or people their friends and their family and their co-workers you get referrals all the time that way but ultimately all of that stems from just being a decent common sense based communicative uh human being you know it you don't have to be some you don't have an, have to have an mba in something to know how to run a business, I don't think. I don't have that. Um, but I've just found that putting that common sense into action and that understanding and empathy, 99% of the time, that's all any situation needs. And everybody is capable of walking away with a good experience. And that's like customer service and problem resolution 101, like summed up. Yes, exactly. It's, it's so simple. Like be, be a decent human being. And, and I truly think it is, it's a don't pop up your chest thing. I think that that is anytime inevitably as a home inspector, I think we all also have the same experience that when we do a good job, Sometimes the response from agents or clients is telling us about a bad home inspector or a bad experience. And I make it my policy to never home inspector bash. I don't, I don't know the situation. I don't know about that other inspection you're talking about, but I know it's a hard job. I know a lot of times there are pieces of information that are misconstrued. And I just think that you know, kind of keeping that positivity in it, not stepping down to that level and just being able to communicate. Like if, if home inspectors do that for each other, I think that that's a really big deal in building up our own industry is just not to badmouth other people in the industry that we <laughs> 
weren't a part of whatever bad situation. I'm cracking up because I was, I was going to make a bad joke and say home inspectors puff out their chest. I've never seen that before. I've never, <laughs> never seen them talk bad to each other ever in forums or Facebook groups. Are you kidding me? Um, so, yeah. But I, it's, it's just a defense mechanism because it, it is a hard business because not, it's, it's one of those jobs where any, you do your job and then you have to defend it. Sometimes you feel like you're a lawyer or something where you know you're right, but it's all in the way you explain your reasoning, you know, for how you got to write to help someone else understand and get to that thought process. When we don't do that, if we just take offense and, you know, even if we're right on this side, it doesn't matter if the person still has a negative experience with how we explain that we're right. So that's, that's a really big deal. And it, it is hard to, to pour your heart into something and get through an inspection and you feel like, I mean, inevitably, when you get a com complaint or somebody coming back with some negative comment, it's that one inspection where it was like, you know, that was the hardest crawl space I've ever had to get into, but I just knew that I had to get down there because I had a suspicion about that far <laughs> back left corner. And you feel like, man, I really went above and beyond and I got stuck and I shouldn't have even been there and I didn't have to be, but, and you feel really good about what you've done and what you've found and inevitably that's the experience where somebody wants to, to bad mouth you. And, and so of course, I think all of us have that human instinct to get, to take offense, but that's what we have to fight against. Yes. I, that's no one's explained that better of the feelings. You know, you guys point stuff out, you point out what's wrong for a living. Like, right. <laughs> that, like think of like, you know, think people that do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's only so many jobs where you're, you succeed by pointing out what's wrong and telling someone you're going to have to spend money on this. Um, right. So yeah, the, the defense mechanism makes complete sense. And I think just this conversation is raising awareness of it, which I think can help inspectors kind of take a step back and say, okay, let me think about their perspective and, and be above it. Like you said, like almost. Right not stooping down to it. I think more conversations like this need to have. We could probably do a whole second segment just on this topic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so th th this, this kind of dovetails into how you view the agent relationships. Uh, it, I think you kind of answered it partly, but can you elaborate a little in terms of how you do accommodate or how you do think about their perspective when dealing with them, with talking in front of them? Definitely. Yeah. I, I have always had the philosophy that, you know, you can, you can do the best inspection that anybody could do, but you can still, the way you present that information to your client, that's a big deal. Being able to present your findings in a realistic way. Um, I think that knowing enough about what you're talking about is a huge, a huge step towards, you know, being able to provide that information of should you be scared or shouldn't you be scared and being able to answer the question of would you buy this house with, you know, any problem can be fixed. I have, I have been inspecting houses for six years and well, there's maybe, maybe two houses. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like, man, this one is not really worth saving. 
but for the majority of houses, almost every house, I mean, there anything can be fixed. It's just a matter of what it's going to cost and who's going to pay for it. So I think being able to really have an honest conversation with our clients, like that is, that's what the real estate agent hears when they are listening to that conversation. It's not about what came up on the inspection or how many problems there are or how severe it's how the inspector presents that. And I mean, just as important as not being an alarmist is being an alarmist when it truly is necessary, when it really is something that you're looking at and thinking, you know, I, I wouldn't buy this house <laughs> right. or knowing like that. I've seen that problem before. And I know that that structural issue is a minimum $25,000 fix. Now those aren't the things that you necessarily say. Sometimes I throw out a big number when I'm sure of a big number. And it's something that I've had personal experience with, but as a home inspector, I just think that having those honest conversations of <laughs> it comes down to being able to compare the house to other houses you've seen in the same market, whether it is better than the average or worse than the average, being able to talk about it in an educated way and keeping your voice calm and um, really, really even enunciating your speech and collectively answering any questions the client has the realtor sees all those things. And so I think that it's a combination of you're doing your job in that case and you're doing exactly what your client has hired you to do. And at the same time, that's how you really make that impact and plant the seeds of, rela of a relationship with the realtor because if they've been doing what they do for any length of time, then they know the difference too. Like if you're, if you're just being an alarmist because it's a CYA thing, that's not the reason to be an alarmist. The reason to be an alarmist is if, you know, the house is setting off alarms. Yeah. So I just, it, it kind of goes back to that same, the customer service and common sense and all of those things mixed together. That's what being able to provide a really well-rounded service is. And that is what that is what shows the real estate agent that a they can they can depend on you they can feel good about uh, referring you to their clients because they know that you'll give them a well-rounded service but i think it also in the long run it it saves them time which again i think is one of their most important things that they need to save because you're helping even on site, you're helping them and the client focus in on the really important things that need to show up in the repair request. And honestly, and guys, Kevin isn't paying me to say this, but I've just recently become a client of Spectora and I was blown away by that little feature in the top right corner. I can now point out to realtors of being able to copy and paste that repair request list because that, I mean, that is a huge, amazing feature for realtors. And therefore, you know, it's good for our business because it's good for theirs. Um, I, I think that all those things added together is what helps to form those relationships, not to mention being willing to go back on site to point out something even that you think is small or insignificant. Um, a lot of times just being willing to follow up 
and not ghost somebody because you think they're asking a silly question, that will be the one thing that solidifies the relationship where they will never refer another <laughs> again. Yeah. So well said. And in the time you're right. Like I, I was an agent and I, I would have given anything to have something populate my inspection objection document um, because it took, it was painful. It was emotionally painful <laughs> in a professional <laughs> way. And so that's the mentality um, that you just seem to get, you know? And I think when you, you can't, you can't fake really wanting to save people time and provide good customer service. The agents probably just feel it as my guess with you and, and love it. Yeah. I, that's what I'm, I'm hoping and banking on. And I you know the other thing it does is, and I, I don't think that this is insignificant either. The, the work that we do, it's very antisocial. I think yes. we, work alone. And we really do. And we have peers of each other, but honestly, how often do we interact with other home inspectors? And so I think our peers, a lot of times end up being those real estate agents. And those are the people that, you know, text or call us late at night. Those are the people that we have a backstory with and a relationship where, you know, there's little jokes we can cry when we see them or instances we want to ask them about for, you know, what has happened in their family or whatever it is. I just like, yes, we're building a business and those things are important because those relationships are good for business. Those relationships are also good for us as humans being <laughs> able to feel good about our day and having had a positive interaction with essentially a coworker instead of just having worked in solitude for 10 hours. Oh, so true. You know, and I think that's why social media is such a good thing for our industry and needs to be embraced because it is an outlet. Like you said, mental health is huge to be happy with what you're doing. And you're right. It's an industry where you guys are isolated a lot. And uh, the only way I can equate, the only way I can equate that to myself was when Mike and I were working from home in our basements by ourselves on Spectora before we had any customers. And <laughs> you get out and you're like, wow, I need to interact with some humans um, to feel <laughs> normal, to feel like I, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's connection. It's good for health. It's good for business. Um, very well said. Thank you. So yeah, talking about agents that, that love you and refer you and, and growth and goals, what are we looking at in 2020? I know you mentioned maybe hiring another inspector. Um, you can quickly let us know how it's been um, hiring on, a husband because most obviously you know a lot of there's a lot of husband wife combos in our industry and um and it works really well you know a lot of them say they can't do without the other so how has that been and what's ahead yeah it's been really really exciting and continues to be we have some pretty big goals in 2020 which include hiring at least two hopefully female home inspectors we we are not going to discriminate in any way but our focus for uh, basically headhunting, we are looking specifically for other females that kind of have those same proclivities that I do. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do think that like a big part of what I want to represent in the world, not just in this business, but I want to show, I want to show up. I want female home inspectors to really to have a presence. And I think that we start small and I know that there are other women all over the country that are also doing this. Um, we don't really get to connect with each other 
but um, I know even when I, I had been just looking, you know, Googling around or whatever, sometimes you just get curious and look for things. And when I had Googled female home inspectors recently, it was a Spectora article was one of the first things that yeah. came an interview you did. Well, two different interviews, but I think it was the same article of two women that are doing exactly what I'm doing. And like any other industry, I, it's important to have people that set those examples of, you know, as we have other, other girls and females growing up or entering the workforce, to see somebody that looks like them doing a job that normally you wouldn't think of as an option for, you know, a career. So I, um, my husband and I are very passionate about trying to facilitate that growth and being able to offer those kinds of opportunities of, you know, look for women. I mean, often you, you just look at a desk job is the only thing you can do or a housewife. Um, but there, there are so many combinations of, of things. And there are so many ways that each of us is programmed to, to be happy. And I think that if we can reach out and find some other women that are interested in home inspection, I think we could build a really unique company to, well, first of all, be able to kind of create that presence I'm talking about to just be, to be in the world doing something positive. Like I, I truly believe that to be able to have a positive impact on the world with our short lives we're given, doesn't have to be some giant one-time act that we do. I think that like being a, a good person and being able to, to be empathetic and be understanding in every interaction that we have every day with, with our husbands and wives and kids and coworkers and anybody that we run, you know, can, can touch even when you get a burger at McDonald's, I just think that being able to carry that positive uh, human, <laughs> the human in you, if you can make that person come out, if that's how we make positive impacts on the world. And I think that being able to build a strong company and a positive company that brings those kinds of morals into everything that we do, I, I'm hoping to create a legacy with that. And um, I think that making it, I don't, as far as I can tell from searching, I don't think that there are other totally female home inspection companies. And that's kind of, that is my vision. That's what I see is being able to create that in the world to make a place where, you know, women who are interested in this field if, know that it's okay to be interested, whether they work for my company or not, but also just to, be able to make it a safe space for being a, <laughs> a decent human, I guess. So that's kind of the legacy and impact that my husband and I have in mind. Um, and we really, we really are a good team as far as we have separate strengths and weaknesses. And I really, I have done a lot of jobs and I've, I've worked in a lot of different fields and I do not enjoy working behind a desk. I'm not good at big picture planning, but I am very detail oriented and I love doing hands-on boots on the ground kind of work. So 
for where we're going and what we're starting. Um, and hopefully what we really do start to grow and get underway in 2020 is I want to be that boots on the ground home inspector and trainer. And he is better at that big picture planning and being able to create a company structure that we can scale and uh, that we can really bring to life in that big picture model. So, uh, yeah, sometimes <laughs> we are we are married, and sometimes we do get at each other's throat, <laughs> have strong opinions about things. But um, I think we make a really good team overall, and I don't think that there's a lot that can stand in our way. That sounds like a great balance, and um, and we actually have considered making a Spectora job board, like internally, so for all users across network and people looking. Um, so maybe that's something that if that gets rolling that that can help out in terms of in terms of finding folks. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I'll, I'd love to put you in touch and, and I'm sure you're going to get a lot of people wanting to get in touch with you, but I think, um, yeah, there's, we could brainstorm some cool ideas, I think for women, even in other locations across the country that could use that consulting from maybe a female perspective or prefer it. Um, with different angles and things you could do. So I just start brainstorming naturally. I'm just like, all right, how can we do this? How can we um, That's fantastic. And that's, that is the only way to grow. But, and I, I may have touched on this earlier, but what I just neglected to say too is one reason I do, I do think that there is a lot of opportunity for women in this field is like I had mentioned, just kind of like being somebody who looks like the client or being able to, um, like speak in a way where you can be understood. A lot of times that comes from being like each other. And I think that because there are so many women that, you know, they're, they're doing this process on their own, even if they're part of a team, even if they're, they're married or they're buying a house with someone else. Um, it seems like a lot of times the woman is the one that's kind of setting up all of the appointments and the, um, officials, you know, the realtors and the loan officers, they're putting it all together. So I think that email inspectors can stand out in that way and be able to represent, um, you know, somebody that you can assume has at least a more similar background to you than the other. I mean, most people, at least in central Kentucky, most other home inspectors, they are white males. It's, it is very dominant that way. There aren't a lot of other um, races or genders. It's just, it's that. So I find that even outside of women being more comfortable with hiring other women to work for them, even other, any other groups of people who see themselves as other, um, there are a lot of gay and lesbian couples around where I work. And I know um, that that has been also kind of a whole market where those people that are in groups that feel like they are kind of otherized, even though, you know, I may not be the same gender or have that same background as you, you still see me as being different like you because there aren't many women in this industry and anything other than the norm can make people feel more comfortable. So I, I do think that there are a lot of opportunities for women, just there are are new markets, I think, opening up. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and a whole nother topic in, in just in communication in general, when you mentioned the women either being the decision makers or the ones that, um, you know, make the appointments and kind of run kind of through a real estate transaction is a lot of inspectors um, can just assume or speak to a certain person if a husband and wife's there, for example. And it's like, I think part of that emotional intelligence is kind of knowing who to direct attention to, who to make eye contact with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's more of the women that, you know, the woman, because she maybe cares more, or maybe has a background in construction. And so it's all these little things that just come to mind when, um, when talking about these dynamics that are often not talked about. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, this, this, this kind of leads into a last question. I don't want to keep you too long here. I know it's, I know it's a holiday week, um, <laughs> but advice for other women or, or like you said, anyone that's otherized in our industry and that can be race, religion, gender, whatever. Um, any advice for folks considering this as an industry or in it? Yeah, I, I think that truly the most important thing and for women in industry, but really, like you say, anybody that is going into something where they are other than what the norm is, it's so important to just to be yourself. I think that a lot of times when there is someone other trying to fit into an industry, that's what they're doing. They're trying to fit in. And it's not genuine. And I think that a lot of times that ends up being kind of the destructor for that situation where you think that you're being affable and you're doing, you're becoming what everyone else around you is so that you can fit in. It doesn't work because people can sense when you're being genuine and when you're not. And I I just think it's so important to diversify and not to not to be something that you aren't, but when you come in and you bring your own personality and your own strengths, it does not matter that you are different. Like it only matters if you are a genuine version of yourself and that you are just being a positive and decent human being. And I know that since I, I have never been a male inspector, so I don't know if they have the same experience too, or if I, if it's directed at me more often because I'm female, but when I do a really great inspection and someone is extra impressed, there usually is a comment made about some negative experience that they've had with another home inspector who inevitably was male. And I've been in situations where, you know, there are realtors or clients who are trying to draw me into a conversation of negativity and trying to tear down those those people in the industry who are the norm. And I think that in those situations, those people think that they're doing you some kind of service or giving you extra credit. In my mind, it's not extra credit at all. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> it's just negative. And I think that it's really easy for people who are other in an industry to get pulled into conversations like that and just agree because it feels in the moment, it feels like you're connecting with someone, but I just think it's very important to not like, you don't have to stand there and say, listen, I'm not going to hear that anymore. But I think it's important to not agree, but just to direct the conversation elsewhere. 
because those it doesn't help anyone and I think that ultimately those things are your demise too because even if they're asking you to participate in that negativity the second that you do that's you're going to be written off you're going to be you're going to be that negative person and that kind of energy suck that they don't want to bring their clients to next time so um I just think that in my experience, that is probably the number one piece of advice I can give is to be your, be your genuine self and do not get drawn into the negativity. Just stay positive. Perfect. I love it. Such good stuff. Um, well, is there, I mean, was there anything else that you've given us so much great uh, content? <laughs> um, just the way you articulate all this and kind of see it all. Um, it's so refreshing. Is there, was there anything else I, I didn't touch on or anything that, um, that you think we should get out there into the world while I have you? I can't think of anything specific. Um, just know if anybody is listening to this, that if you're considering getting into home inspections, um, know that overall it is, sometimes we tear each other down and that's not a good thing. I think overall, we all have the best intentions for our industry and find, seek somebody out that's already doing it and, you know, ask questions. Even people in my area, I'm on a a WhatsApp thread right now with about eight other home inspectors that have accepted me into their group um, that, you know, when we run into something, some kind of problem or something at an inspection we don't recognize or a situation we're not sure how to handle. We just, we ask each other questions and answer them. Everybody has um, those good intentions, I think, for the most part, once you show that you are serious about this industry. So, I mean, make phone calls and ask questions. And I think that that's how we kind of can, even though we do feel disconnected a lot of times, like we're on our own island, we are part of a big industry. And I think that there are so many great people that are a part of this industry that are willing to help each other. Um, don't be afraid, whether you're a home inspector now or looking to become one, ask questions. Like people that are truly interested, just speaking as an inspector, I think it's endearing to be asked and to be able to give your opinion. Um, so don't be afraid to take those first steps. Like we talked about at the beginning, Kevin, like just if, you, if you're too afraid to take those first steps because you're afraid of failure, you'll never improve your life and you'll never find what you're looking for. You got to take some chances and just take a leap. So well said. And yeah, we, nowadays it's never been easier to connect with people with WhatsApp, Slack, text, you know, basic text messages. So that's a great shout out there. Um, I think more people could utilize stuff like that, but yeah. Um, Thank you so, so much for taking the time in a holiday week. Uh, this has been great. I think this is good. This is going to be, this could be one of our most listened to episodes. <laughs> um, well, yeah. And anybody listening, if you know, if you are in the central Kentucky area and you know, any women that, uh, you know, you feel like would benefit from hearing what I have to say, or even giving me a call and we are looking to kind of to grow the industry and be able to include some more female faces in it. So you please connect with me. I'd be glad to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll put this out everywhere. Um, you know, and link to it. I'll send you everything when it's ready to go, but, um, thanks so much for the time.
Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. And thanks for Spectora too. Like I said, I'm, I'm new to it, but it really, it's already saving me time. And I'm so impressed with the finished product and I'm not easily impressed. I, <laughs> I software for a lot of years with that, that I liked, but it was a lot of work and a lot of time. So I, I appreciate your product a lot. Oh, so good. Thank you so much. And I know you're going to be able to market it and, and speak to the benefits with the best of them. And I think that's when it's a happy, um, you know, a happy marriage of like someone that can really articulate the value it, you're going to be off to the races with it. So happy to have you in the family. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Happy new year to you. And uh, we'll be talking soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Kevin. All right.